Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hello, Don. And our correspondent, Allie Trowbridge. Hello, Don. Allie, you are joining us from Los Angeles, California. I sure am. But you guys have sunshine today, too, so I feel like I don't have much to hold over you. You don't. Yeah, no, it's beautiful today. here today. <laughs> Let's not talk next week or a week ago, for that yeah. matter. Yeah. yeah, we were literally just joking, trying to get Allie to move here. We're like, it's 72 and sunny. And she's like, uh, not going to do it. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it is where I am all the time. <laughs> this is an interesting episode because it's one of the first times that we've done a kind of episode that we're going to turn into, you know, every fourth or fifth or sixth episode, the business of. So we're going to talk about the business of something, and I'm looking forward to some topics coming up. The business of news is one I'm really looking forward to. The business of art Mm -hmm. is coming up. The business of reality TV. And today, actually, even though Allie's the one in LA, and even though Allie's the one who did these two interviews for us, JJ and I know a little something about the business of movies. Yes. How in the world do they make money? Yeah, JJ, yeah. you know something about this topic. I mean, I don't know much about them making money, but I do know about <laughs> them in general. Minor detail. Well, actually, that's not true. I made a film. I directed a documentary on street children in Ethiopia. What haven't you done? Uh, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I put a group together and raised the money and flew a group over to Ethiopia. And they're actually, I think there might be some people who listen to the podcast who were nice. there. And, and we did, we it, did a film. It, Make enormous amounts of money? It made a lot of money for the organization we made it. So we made it as a kind of as a fundraiser for the organization. And then it actually did play in a few theaters. I think ultimately it got bought by a channel, some documentary channel. This was after I was done being involved with it. But it made a lot of money for the organization. So um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I actually... JJ, I just, next time we're having you on the podcast. I know. I, for, I kind of... For, <laughs> sometimes I forget about things that I do. Because <laughs> you've done too many things. I've been in a bunch of movies, but probably the only one that people will have seen in the theater... I was in Semi-Pro with Will Ferrell. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. What? You've never told us these <laughs> things. Yeah. JJ. I was an extra, and then I had a small, tiny scene. I never saw the movie, but I had a small, tiny scene with Amy Sedaris, and yeah. I've heard from people who saw that movie that Amy is not in the movie, so my scene did not make it, but uh-huh. I am still in a bunch of crowd shots. Oh, this is semi-pro. Semi-pro. Okay, gotcha. You yeah. were with Amy Sedaris, and then she's not in the and movie. And she's not. The whole scene that I filmed is with her, and then she's not. Turns out everybody's like, no, there's no scene with Amy in the movie. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm running semi-pro. I'm gonna, I'm, I don't even want you to tell me. I was me. gonna say, I think we should say that the first story brand listener who can spot JJ yeah. <laughs> in semi-pro, minute, minute and second, upload oh, I, a photo, <laughs> gets a story brand. That's book. funny. I don't know. I've never seen the movie. Well, we're gonna, so we're gonna crowdsource crowd this. Yeah, we'll send you an autographed copy of Building Story Brand, and then Allie will autograph a copy of Twenty Two. Her book. Yeah. Her book. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, it's, I think that's a good deal. I want to see this. The easier one for you to spot me because people have been able to spot me is season two of The Office. I am in the Listen crowd. What? It's the episode where Dwight wins the award for being salesman of the year, and he gives a speech to the audience, and I'm in the audience acting like I'm falling asleep. So I'm like on the aisle, on the left-hand side of the aisle, you'll see Steve Crow walk by. There's a couple. If you have the DVDs, I'm in a bunch of the deleted scenes for season two. <laughs> but So there's two things. If you can spot me in 
that one. And then another one that's really easy to spot me in is Ghost Whisperer. I was in Ghost Whisperer with Jennifer Love Hewitt, and you see me walking around. This is mostly extra work that I did. Ghost Whisperer. I yeah, vaguely remember. You, uh, yeah, Jennifer Love Hewitt's at a carnival. I don't even remember the episode, but I've seen it. And I'm walking around, and there's two different places you can see me. One, you can see me carrying a giant stuffed dragon around the carnival. And then another time you can see me holding a girl's hand. I think I also have a stuffed animal and I'm walking around. So those ones are easier to find. The Office season two, when Dwight wins the award for being <laughs> and then, salesman of the year. Yeah, I was in. And then wait, wait was it a TV series with Jennifer Love Hewitt? I didn't yeah, catch Ghost that. Whisper. Oh, it's the name of a TV show? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought, I thought it was a movie. Okay, so I was on West Wing. if you get the trifecta, West Wing would be the trifecta. Uh, no, wait, 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 West Wing, <laughs> JJ, this is crazy. I was in quite a bit for a while there, mostly extra work, mostly extra work. A few things like with scenes. And what do things. you get if you get JJ in the West Wing, JJ on the Office, JJ on Ghost Whisper, and JJ in Semi Pro? Semi Pro is the semi-pro's real challenge because I have no idea where it is or if I can even. Because if you get that one, what do you get? I think you win lunch with JJ in Nashville. <laughs> you got to get yourself to Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get lunch with JJ. Okay, listen, if for one person, if you send us pictures of that, now that's hilarious. Sadly, a lot of people might try to do it. We can only pick one. Free registration for the live story brand workshop. I'll cover that. And, and we'll then lunch. and lunch with JJ. <laughs> we just literally volunteered you. Oh my goodness. First person. Just but just one person. The first person. The first person. Who, yeah. Get ready to have lunch with my mom because she is your number one fan. <laughs> I'm not gonna give mom. her a heads up on this. She's gonna have to do it just like everyone else, but I bet you she's gonna win. <laughs> That's a lot. Allie, have you made have you made a movie? Have I made a movie? I've made a documentary. Tell us about that. Well, the other funny thing is I was actually in a reality TV show for a while that never aired, thank God. But we'll talk about <laughs> that on the you, gotta <laughs> give us, you have to give us the name of the show. Oh, gosh. What was that one called? Even though it never It was aired. called The Cause. Okay. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a lovely one. Yeah. It was about nonprofits and the drama of raising money. But no, and, and the documentary, I thought that was going to be a six-month project. It's been four years. We're not done. Still going. But <laughs> yes, that's how those go. Yeah. 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 It's a grind. What people don't realize about the movie industry because you know we watch the academy awards we think of all these successes 99 out of 100 and i'm making this up my guess is it's 999 out of a thousand you never see these films yeah there's people making films i got a buddy coming over the house tonight to buy fire but he's made three films you know what they say is the best way to become a millionaire be a billionaire than invest in films (laughs) (laughs) that's a little too close to home for me (laughs) yeah a little bit (laughs) i lost a lot i lost all the blue like jazz money on a movie and you know the reality is that movie was a success in the sense that we got over 100,000 people to theaters on a weekend. If, you know, if that were a book, that would be a number one New York Times bestseller. But because it was a movie, we all lost our shorts. Yeah. It's a black box investment of sorts. You know why? Because you're paying minimum wage people like me to walk around the room with a stuffed animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you were where the are cost expensive. Was. But then the other side of it is that the ones that take off and do well, it's, you know, you get just bucks. these crazy runaway hits. And that's what's so fun transitioning to our interview today. But yeah. what was so fun about this, I didn't know. So our interviews with Kellen Lutz, the actor and Ryan Daly, who is his manager and was his agent. And did you talk to him both at the same time? Yeah, both at the oh, same cool. time. We did the interview together, which was so neat. But what I didn't realize is that Kellen almost didn't audition for the Twilight job. And I mean, this obviously we all know the Twilight franchise. It's yeah. massive, kind of yeah. took over the world for a couple of years there. But they didn't know it was going to be a hit. They really had no idea. 
And so they go into Ryan telling Kellen, I really want you to audition for this. And Kellen's saying, I don't know, not another vampire kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, vampires work every time, I think. I yeah. think we can safely say that now. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ali, tee up this interview for us. Yeah, so this is me talking again to Kellen Lutz, one of, you know, A-list actor in Hollywood. He's been not only one of the vampires in the Twilight series, but... Hercules and Tarzan and you name it. All the roles that I think JJ's done through the years. <laughs> yes, same. I get a lot of the Greek god roles myself. Yeah, very yeah. The eternal vampire with the great looks. Yeah, that's usually what I get. Yeah, I get a lot of, how'd you bulk up for Wolverine? I'm like, I'm not, I'm sorry. That's actually Hugh Jackman. Yeah. My, my audition call sheet was regularly fat guy who could dance. Like that was the thing that I showed up for a lot. And mine was yeah. fat guy who couldn't. Yeah. We never yeah. worked together. That's yeah. why we never worked yeah, together. Yeah, that's why Kellen and I never went up for the same role. So. And Ryan, who's Kellen's manager, he's been his agent. Ryan's also a producer himself. So he's producing some incredible films. He represents screenwriters. So he's like in the thick of things in the industry. And we dig into their personal stories as well as getting into how do you actually make money in this industry? How is it successful? How a film comes to market to what it's like to be an actor in a movie and be filming it to doing the promotion for it and on and on. It's a super fascinating interview. I sure learned a lot. Well, if you've ever wanted to be a famous Hollywood star, <laughs> yeah. here's the reality of kind of a little bit of the reality of how this kind of stuff works. Allie, thanks for getting this interview for us. I don't want to wait anymore. Let's listen to it. All right, here we go. Here's my interview with Kellen Lutz and Ryan Daly. Well, I'm so thrilled to have you guys on the show. We've been doing this series looking into the business of different industries. And one of the most fascinating industries to me is the film industry. And it's obviously something that we all participate in consuming. But we didn't know so little about how films are made and what goes into it and what it's like to be an actor in one of these shows, what it's like to produce it. And so just appreciate you guys being on the show and sharing a little bit of your experience with us. Of course, it'll be fun. So, Ryan, let's dive right in. You are formerly an agent turned manager turned now producer. So you've kind of spanned the whole gamut. Correct. I've always wanted to make movies since I was a little kid. And I went to film school at Cal State Long Beach and learned the art of, you know, being a DP, an editor, a line producer, director. You get an overall education on the whole process. But one of the last things I learned in film school was from a producer of a big TV show who came and spoke to us. And he said, listen, guys, if you want to make movies, drop out of film school and go to business school because it's a hmm. business. And I was a semester shy from graduating, so I didn't have that option. But it put me on the path of becoming an agent and learning the business side of things because talent agents, literary agents, they get to work with all the studios, all the networks. They negotiate contracts and they really sort of get an understanding they're like the veins of the whole industry so a lot of managers used to be agents if you're any good at your job as a manager you can be an agent if you're any good at your job as an agent you can be a manager because they're very closely related and people love to ask me what is the difference i was you stole my question yeah. <laughs> ryan what is the difference so, between an agent and a manager i actually was thinking about it and i don't have a great i probably couldn't articulate it well if you're any good at your job, they're so closely related. But technically, legally, agents can't produce. There's a law from like 1929 
that ban agents from producing movies. It was a fascinating. M- Why do you think that is? Monopoly, or a, it was just because oh, they had okay. too much control. Okay. Like when the studios owned everything? Correct, correct. Got it. So agents typically have a lot more clients and are less hands-on with actors or writers and are more about getting their clients' meetings, auditions, pitching them, and then negotiating contracts, whereas managers have a lot fewer clients, are more hands-on, and are legally allowed to produce. Now, there's no laws, there's no rules governing managers, so anyone can be a manager. All you need is a business card. Can I be your manager, Ryan? I actually think you should be on camera. I think you're hilarious. Thank you. Please, keep it going. (laughs) Um, But so... Managers that used to be agents, in my opinion, just have a better understanding of how the business works because they, you know, were a part of the machine in a way that, you know, Joe Blow manager who works out of their house and essentially just tells actors what to wear to auditions and doesn't really do much. No. So which is the sort of manager I would be, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, so agents have more clients and don't get involved in the nitty-gritty. Managers are the ones where if you need a hairdresser, if you need a rental car in New York, if you need a business manager, a manager also oversees sort of all the aspects of an actor's career. So they're the ones that oversee the agent, the entertainment attorney, the publicist, if they have a personal assistant, if they have a business manager, if they, you know, the list goes on and on. You're like air traffic control making everything happen. Yeah, yeah. When did you make the transition from agent to manager? What kind of inspired that? Well, so I started in management as an assistant. My first job out of college, I interned for two managers, and they were both former agents. So they're very proactive, smart managers. And and my boss also used to be a publicist. So I worked for her for two years before becoming an agent at a small little agency called Kazarian Spencer & Associates, which is where I signed Kellen 14 years ago when he was 19. Yeah, okay, so pause there. I was going to ask, how do you find actors, and how did you find this nice gentleman sitting here with us today? Well, the way I find actors, I took one acting class in junior college, and the theater teacher told me that if you throw a stick in Los Angeles, you hit 10 actors. (laughs) So so there is no... Did Ryan throw a stick at you, Kellen? (laughs) There is no shortage of people trying to pursue acting. And a funny story, Kellen and I were traveling through Australia, and we were in... It was some sort of Twilight publicity campaign related, and we were going through immigration and the guy who was checking our passports noticed and he was 70 years old he noticed that i wrote agent producer on my visa yeah and he started pitching himself no. and it was a 70 year old man saying no. that he's an actor and he can dance and he started to dance for me no so that's amazing all this to say and is you signed him yes and he's a big star now <laughs> all this to say is there's no shortage of potential clients so how do i find clients every which way at one point everyone i've ever met literally everyone i've ever met will call me or email me and say hey my barber's nephew's neighbor wants to be an actor will you take wow. a look so I, you know, I'm a nice guy and I never know where I'm going to find the next person. So I always take a look. Do I meet these people? No. You know, one time out of a thousand, I will. But I've found actors through talent conventions, through referrals, through I've given my card to, you know, a cashier at a restaurant once that I signed. I still represent her today. Though. Wait, to a cashier at a restaurant. Yeah. That's kind of, I feel like the best stories you always hear about are, you know, it's like I have a friend who's been acting since she was three and she was discovered at a nail salon with her mom. Yeah. The stories of people who make it, it, it's always interesting because there always is, I mean, obviously hard work, but sometimes there's just that stroke of luck, the right time, right place. Yeah. Um, So with Kellen, Kellen was 19. Yeah. And he was referred by his acting coach. And, you know, she called and said, hey, I have this great actor. He's in my class. He's also a model. And he came in and met with us and the rest is history. 
Wow. Let me go to Kellen for a second. Had you always wanted to be an actor? Was this a longtime dream of yours? No, no. You know, I never had the dream to be an actor. I didn't know you could do it. I was born in North Dakota and then grew up most of my life in Arizona. And we just never, I think a bit of ignorance. I didn't watch many films or television mm. growing up. But it just wasn't an occupation that I thought you could dream of becoming. I thought it was a bit like NASCAR where you're born into it. Hmm. Your dad did it so yeah. you can do it. I didn't know you could be an actor. Hmm. So then when I came out to California for college, I got a full ride to Chapman University. And I was going to study chemical engineering and play football. Wow. So I really didn't have much acting experience outside of just living and being in my family. And I had, you know, five brothers in the house and a chaotic household at times. So it was very colorful. Yeah. And a lot of acting you draw from personal experiences and you huh. substitute. So with that, when I had decided to go to college and then I was able to spread my wings, I was able to choose and decide, all right, Kellen, what life do you want? Hmm. And I really just sat back and I saw two lives I could have lived. One, staying in school, doing chemistry. A big part of the choice to put school on hold was I love football. I hate being second string and I hate politics and football. Mm. So I was a really good safety and due to politics, and I do believe I was better than the, the kid who <laughs> let was the playing record first, state. Let, let the record straight, but I'm grateful for it. I just felt like there was politics in high school sports and in Pop Warner. And with the college sport, I just saw the politics there where I'm like, I'm proving myself. I'm a harder hitter. I'm faster, tackle better. And I still wasn't going to start because the kid who was going to start, his brother played the position three years earlier. Hmm. So you have the name validity there. And, and so I was just kind of annoyed. I'm not going to do all the hard work and not play. And that's why I love playing in life. Like I really just want to be a part of the game. So if you had been first string, you might not be sitting here today. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, it'd be fun to play in the NFL. Like it would, yeah. would be. I think about that from time to time about you know, being an athlete. Yeah. Um, but now I can play it in a movie. I was going to say, you kind of are, because you've played a few roles that are slightly athletic. Hercules, yeah, yeah. Tarzan. Lacrosse movie. Vampire. Yeah. <laughs> some, some of the, yeah, so, you know, it's... Slight, I mean, <laughs> I, I, still I haven't play, seen you play, uh, remember play the, the wimpy kid yet, but that might be yeah. next on the docket. But so once I was out there, and that was the hardest decision I found this passion for acting and I, I'd started going to classes and Sid Barstable was my first real acting teacher and I was there for six months, loved it. And she introduced me to KSA, Mara Santino and Ryan Daly. Mm. And at the time I had my modeling agent back in Arizona, Ford Robert Black, my agent Matt, who had a connection with UTA. And UTA was like, still is one of the top dogs. Which is United Talent, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I know I have this meeting with a big dog while I'm coming into KSA. So again, I'm going to show respect, but I'm like, I don't know what KSA is. I'm going to meet Ron and Mara because Sib is good friends with them. But two days from now, I have a meeting with a big agent. I'm like, well, I'm going to get with this big agency. Yeah. So then I think I go into KSA and I remember Ryan just always recalling that I wasn't desperate or I wasn't confident, I guess is the word. You were confident? 
I was, yeah. Um, Desperate actors are the biggest turnoff in life. Say that again. Desperate actors who laugh too hard at my jokes, who seem too antsy, <laughs> too- <laughs> 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 who, who, who want it so bad. It's just like when you're in a relationship or you're dating someone, if they are too into you, it's a turnoff. But it's a different story with desperate actors. Okay, back to you. <laughs> Which is really true. So you just, were a non-desperate just like actor. Just like auditioning. Yeah. Like if you're too desperate in the room, and that's killed my auditions from time really? to time, when I really, really want a role, I'm like, this is my role, Ryan. Like, And yeah. I psych myself up up and then I get in the room and I'm like too over the top and then I'm just too excited and I booked more roles that I didn't want wow that I'm grateful that I did than ones that I really wanted tell me what that's like walking into the room and doing an audition like what is that experience like is it like the movies where it shows a line of people out the door all wearing the same outfit looking the same yes Ryan's nodding a little I remember with Twilight there was and this is another example of one that I didn't want Really? Like I had just You didn't finished, want Twilight. No. I had finished this amazing project for HBO called Generation Kill. Mm. Gotta work with thirty-five amazing actors from around the world. We gotta play Marines. We gotta shoot guns and drive Humvees and just work out every day. We shot in Africa, Mozambique, Namibia, wow. South Africa for seven months. Ryan wow. came to visit. It was just like the coolest <laughs> job for an actor. Yeah. Um and then Ryan sent me the script called Twilight, and he wanted me to audition for the lead character, Edward. And I read it. I'm like, this character is so <laughs> moody. And I'm like a meathead at this point just because I've been around all of these actors. <laughs> and I'm like, no, dude, this guy's just, he's just so depressing of a character. <laughs> and he's like, no, trust me, trust me. And I'm like, no, I just can't do it. So then I came back after we wrapped. And I was going to go back to Arizona because you're away for seven months. And I'm like 21 at this time. And I wanted to go see my family and my dog. And he's like, Kellen, like, what about Emmett, the role of Emmett? And I read the role of Emmett. He had like two lines in the script. I'm like, yeah, he's cool. You know, he's, <laughs> he's funny. And at this point, I'm like, kind of dude. <laughs> you know, 210, all muscle. And that's the description. He is just the comedic relief, the big teddy bear brother. Yeah. Size wise. And so teddy I go. Teddy bear vampire. Yeah. So I go into the audition. And everyone's wearing the same white wife beater, no. you know, tight shirt. And I walk in there and like there's some guys doing push-ups no. in the room. And again, you want to do whatever you can, but they're just and I'm big. Like I was I was really big at this point and looking at these other actors, they're all small. So like that confidence of just walking into the room knowing that all right, you're the biggest one <laughs> out of everyone in this room. And went in there said it but again like i didn't want it i yeah. didn't really care for a sparkling van like if i want to play a vampire i want to play like night watch <laughs> you don't want to play just... like the dreamy we have no fangs in the movie <laughs> i we mean, sparkle what's like the it's point not with no fangs you, you bite no one like that's <laughs> yeah it's not not a vampire to me um but again that's one of the most important things about a manager actor relationship Hmm. is trust yeah and you're a team just like any relationship out here any marriage you know you are united you know you always have to have each other's back but when ryan says and i trust him he sees stuff from a different field a different perspective than i do as an actor in the acting chair in auditions you know he sees it he has people's ear and people have his ear so when he said like trust me kellen i'm like okay and that still goes on today just the other day we had this audition that i'm like yeah wasn't really feeling for it and he's like trust me this can be i'm Mm. like all right i'll go in and i did it and audition went great yeah but time and time again 
there's things that you just really need to trust each other. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, I want to work. I want to make money. Same with your manager. Right. So if he sees something and you don't, you got to put your ego aside and just have that trust. So getting back to the UTA story, confident, loved them, loved Ryan, Mara. But again, I didn't really care to sign with them at UTA. So two days later, I went to UTA met with the agent, walked around the offices, and it was huge. Just a really entourage-like, you know, yeah. this big building. And I felt lost already. Hmm. And I knew that this agent had Ryan Philippi, for example, as a client. A lot of these actors... Reese Witherspoon's husband, right? For a while? Yeah. 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 I just realized that why would someone give me a chance when they're making, and this is the business side, making millions of dollars with this guy who right. looks... 10 years older than I do or five years like he'd rather submit him than than me and I was like I need to start since I'm at the position of this I want to start somewhere smaller where I can have a relationship I can Mm. grow with someone and so then when I went back I think Ryan you guys maybe called me and anyways I went back I'm like would love to sign with you guys wow and yeah and here you are today yeah 15 14 years Wow. The other side of that story is you didn't <laughs> sign with us right away. We tried to sign you, but your manager at the time, because I was an agent, oh. said that you weren't ready for an agency and it wasn't about us or any other agency. He just wanted to develop you a little bit further and before you started auditioning. And, and we were bummed, but weren't that bummed, I guess. But six <laughs> months later, I had put three actors on a reality show called Model Citizen where they took five models and they would do a good deed. So they would go build an inner city basketball court or they would build like a birdhouse for an endangered species. And it was, you know, camera crews falling around these pretty people doing good deeds. And so I went to the set on the first day and I, I had three clients in it and you were one of the other two models. And you were so impressed that I visited the set on a Saturday that you were like, you know what? I don't care what my manager says. I want to sign with you. <laughs> and that was how it started. And then within six months, you had started getting booking big jobs right away. So I, I knew from the get go that you were something special. It's like a dating story. And that did show a lot. I think because my experience growing up, I didn't really have a lot of people showing up for things that I did. Besides my mm. mom, like all the extracurricular, I think that was a void in my life that that's a way that you show love. You show up for someone, mm. big or small. And so at this point in my career, I had left Chapman. My mother and I weren't really talking because she thought it was a big mistake for a little while. I was really alone yeah, and doing the best that I could with my faith and with what friends I had. Even my brother, like he was at U of A, so we weren't really, he was doing the college thing. And I remember when Ryan was there, it was kind of like a godsend seeing him like, wow, you showed up on a Saturday Mm -hmm. to watch us build a basketball court. Like no one did that for me. Yeah. And so seeing that of someone like that's a true representation of this man's character. And if he does that for his clients, which you don't really see too often, like that's someone who I've always wanted in my corner. And that was just a telltale sign of like just a good person and someone who I'd want to work with. And uh, going back to my managers, I hated that decision. I get it, but like I just left school. I have no money to my name. Mm. My mom's not talking to me, and I'm trying to convey this to them. I need opportunities. I need chances. Throw me like macaroni or wet noodles to a wall and see where it sticks because I need that. I can't pay for stuff. Yeah. And I need to prove it to my my mom more than anything that I made a good decision. I need to prove it to myself that following my heart is going to pay off. 
and I can't wait a whole year. That's what they want to do. They said, Kellen, you're green. You know, you got to wait a whole year. And I'm like, okay, if you guys are going to be teaching me acting and educating me and showing me what I need to do in this revolving door industry, fine. But we weren't, I wasn't seeing any sort of growth by anything that they were doing. Hmm. And so I just felt like this is wasted time. You know, you can't play 18 for too many years, you know, every yeah. year that goes by. And that was a big decision. I could always go back to college. Hmm. You can't always start acting. I mean, if you start acting at 25, you're kind of old. So, you know, even 18 is like, you know, why weren't you out here earlier? Wow. So then uh, meeting with Ryan, I was like, look, I just need some, I need a chance. I need someone to take a chance on me. And I didn't have the desperation in these auditions. I just had the love for it. Yeah. And I really just, I didn't know what I was doing. Honestly, to God, I had no idea. A lot of times I didn't memorize my scripts or the sides. I didn't know. No one told me. But I just, I was having fun. Yeah. You know, that's what yeah. helped me book Stick It. That's what helped me book Accept It. I, I didn't have the desperation. I had the confidence. I was like, mm. man, this is just fun. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to make some friends. And that really just, you know, helped me work. We'll be right back with the rest of Allie's interview with Kellen Lutz and Ryan Daly in just a moment. Listen, it's not too late for you to register for our Story Brand Marketing Workshop that's happening in June. It's just literally a week away in Nashville, Tennessee. And there's also one at the end of July in Seattle, Washington. We would love to see you. If you know you need to clarify your message, but you just haven't taken the time to do it. If you read the book and you love the book and you know there's a big return on my investment if I just take 48 hours, get away, get it done and execute a clear message in my marketing collateral, come see us. You fly in on Sunday. We do a great dessert on Sunday night. We get to know each other. Monday morning, we start working. We clarify your message. Tuesday afternoon, we switch gears. And we actually help you create a marketing funnel. That is wireframe a website, come up with lead generating PDFs, outline some emails that get a response. It's the workshop that pays for itself while you're in the workshop. You want to register today, go to storybrand.com. Again, we have a June workshop that's taking place in Nashville. And at the end of July, we'll be in Seattle, Washington. Grab a friend, grab somebody you work with, register today, storybrand.com. I've had other actors tell me that you're not really an actor unless you love the auditions. Just the going out there again and again and almost accepting the rejection and that not being why you do it, yeah, but doing and, it for the love. And acting and auditioning are two separate things. And I tell actors that all the time. If you can learn how to audition, you can learn how to act later. I mean, obviously you're learning both at the same time, but when you're on set and you're given, you know, 10 takes of something, it's different than when you're in a high stakes room with people judging you and you get one chance and there's 10 guys outside that look just like you are in the same clothes doing pushups. <laughs> So there's something to be said about learning how to audition and having the confidence that Kellen definitely had in spades as a young actor. And sometimes when you over-train, when you overstudy acting, you get too into your head. And there are some people who it actually doesn't help them to be training so much because they're just naturally born gifted actors. And if you start psyching them out with too much theory and whatnot, it just clouds their head. So wow. yeah, he had it. What is it that you look for? Like, what is that kind of magic? That's the million dollar question. The other question yeah. I always get. And 
I never know until I see it. It's different with every single person. Now, I've met really shy individual actors who are magnetic on screen and light up. And then I've met people who have the biggest personalities and are so charismatic and can light up any room, but they don't book acting jobs. Hmm. And, and so there is no, I'm not going to say I have the secret. I've passed on actors who have auditioned for me who then went on to have great careers. And I believed wholeheartedly in people who never made me a dollar. And, <laughs> you know, now they're a fitness instructor in the Valley. Um, <laughs> So what I look for personally, though, is there is a charisma, but it's a genuineness. I definitely sign more on the good looking side. It's not a lie. Um, <laughs> I tell people if I was an agent in London or New York, I would definitely choose the talent over the beauty. And in L.A., it's a different ballgame. And so huh. I tend to to sign beautiful people, Kellen Lutz. There's no secret. And a lot of times the acting doesn't catch up. And in his case and several of my other success stories, they do catch up. So it's charisma, it's beauty, it's likability, it's their willingness to trust me. So I don't think I have all the answers, but I have a few. And this is my full-time job, and I don't eat if my clients don't book. So when I give you advice, if I tell you to jump five feet, jump five feet. I'm not doing that for my own ego. And there yeah. are a lot of agents and managers who, who kind of get off in having this control over actors, and they're over-controlling and... I just am like, listen, if I tell you cut your hair this way, it's because I think you're going to book more jobs that way. It's not because I, it's a power thing. It's like, no, I'm in this every day. And this is, you know, and obviously it's, it's a lot more than just haircuts, but it's the willingness to believe, to trust me. And if I say jump, they say how high. Those are the clients who have worked the most over the years. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I think that's such a neat, even just takeaway for other business leaders, because I think the film industry, we think of it as being something that genuinely is super cutthroat. And a lot of people don't have your back. And I think that's true in many industries. And it just makes it shine when you you really do have those trust relationships and the fact that you guys have been together for 14 years now, yep. 14, 15, is pretty remarkable and just a testament to, I think, the character that you both have. When you got that Twilight script, what made you think he needs to do it? Why'd you push? I'm going to be really honest. I had no freaking clue it was going to be as big as it was. Are you serious? Yeah, totally serious. And wow. nor did anyone, to be honest. Really? MTV Paramount had the rights to the book and to make the movie for a couple of years, and they let it lapse. Wow. And then Summit swooped in. So big studios didn't have the forethought to follow it through. I thought it was right for Kellen, the bigger role, because it was a lead in a teen movie I knew vampire movies have, you know, had a history of success over the years. And I think, you know, Kellen has said over the years, like, you know what? I want to play a boxing role. I want to do a football role. I want to do a vampire role. So there's certain like boxes that actors like to check um, to be able to explore that genre. But I personally have just always been a little obsessed with teen movies and to put clients. <laughs> Personal passion of yours. <laughs> to put clients in teen movies, like what could be better? Um, it's the movies that you want to watch. Yeah. So I had luckily booked my client Ashley Green in the oh, movie she was as one well. Of your yeah, too. she played oh, Alice Colin, and her and Ashley. Kellen were friends because all my clients hung out. But I had sent Kellen the script for Edward before she had booked it, and he was supposed to self tape down in Africa, but he was shooting five day weeks, twelve hours a day, and didn't like the role, and so he never did. So then when he got back into town, there was a last minute audition where they were actually recasting the original Emmett, and they had a two hour window, and and. Although I got a few clients' auditions, he was the front runner I was gunning for. And as soon as he booked the job and they shot the original movie, the first movie in Portland, I went up to visit. It was fun. And none of us still knew what a, you know, really? giant, you know, 
pop culture success. It was going to be a billion dollar film. It wasn't until I think, was it the first Comic-Con before the movie came out? I just remember there was this wave of excitement before the film came out because it was tracking so well. And then I believe the first movie opened at number one at like, I don't know if it was $70 million or $60 million, but it was, you know, teen movies kind of open at $14 million and this was six times that or whatever it was. And then we were off to the races. Talk to me a little bit about the money side of things. I'm really curious about the business side, both from, I mean, even in a situation like this, I know a lot of times actors, you get paid like one sum to do a film. Do you make any money when the film's successful? How does that Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, So actors, if it's a SAG movie, which 99.9% of the movies you'll see are part of that Mm -hmm. union. So they have tiers of movies based on the budget, tiers of payments based on the budget of the movie. So a budget of $5 million or above is considered a regular SAG feature. A budget of, I want to say, three to five is considered a low budget. A budget under a million dollars is considered a modified low budget. And then a budget of $250,000 is considered an ultra low budget. A budget of $75,000 or less is a experimental budget. So based off those numbers, SAG requires the production to pay a minimum number per week. So for a $5 million film, the minimum that that producers have to pay an actor is like, I think right now it covers around like $3,200 a week. So as a new actor who doesn't have a lot of credits, you will take scale, the lowest number that they are offering because you want to work. And one of the next tiers up is called Schedule F, and that's the $65,000 flat fee that a film will pay an actor, whether they work three days, three weeks, or three months, you're getting $65,000 and there's no overtime and that's it. So that's the next step after making scale on a movie. It usually averages it out to around the same, a little bit more than what you'd be making if you were just making scale. And then... I didn't realize this was all so regulated. I kind of thought each one was negotiated. They are still negotiated. So a producer can offer my client scale on any movie and I can say no, or I can say I want 4,000 a week or 5,000. So everything's still negotiable. But as you know, there are so many actors, so many people trying to get these roles that the producers usually have the upper hand until an actor is a working actor slash well-known name star, then they can start commanding high fees. But do you get any sort of like reward or return when the movie does exceptionally well? Okay, so that's another good question. It's called back in points, and there's three different ways to do that. You can get a percentage of the net profits after the movies have made back all their money, paid back their investors, including the ROI. No. Return on investment. Yeah. yeah. And including the distribution fees and the publicity cost and marketing campaigns. And for big studio movies, they say for every hundred screens of movies on, you have to spend a million dollars in advertising. So. Wow. If the movie's on 3,000 screens, that's $30 million that you have to spend in P&A. And if they have two points on the back end, a movie has to make so much money because there is creative accounting in Hollywood. I was just about to say, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I would say Callan you know, did maybe four or five movies before Twilight and some of them low-budget indies where we would get two points on the back end. And I would also say that I've probably gotten my clients over the 17 years I've been doing this points, percentages on the back end on almost every movie. And I have never seen a penny for a client 
on the back end other than in Twilight, which is oh, really, really okay. hard to hide a wow. billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely made a little bit of cash on that Yeah, one. but there's a famous story of the first Star Wars, I think, cost $35 million to make, and it made $435 million at the box office. And if you look at the accounting statements, they are still in the red and have not proved oh, to make so it. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, which we all know is not true. Kellen, what's the process like for you when a film is coming out? So... I mean, how long is it from the actual shooting, the filming, to you're on the red carpet promoting the film? What's that lag time? What does that feel like? Films take forever. Really? You know, I, I, I do a majority of films versus television, and right now television's really taking a lead. And I want to get into television. You want to follow and chase where the good writers are going. Yeah. Because they have the good projects. But for movies, you'll shoot a movie for maybe an average of two months somewhere. And then a year from then, you do ADR, you re-say the lines and, you know, due to sound issues. And then six months from then, the movie is finally coming out. Okay. So the whole process on average for film is about two years. Wow. And you got to think, as an actor, I mean, I, I think my max has been shooting four movies and a show in one year. That's great. As a director, you're just working on one movie for two years. Wow. So it's really, it's it's got to be tough for directors, right, you know, just in the industry, because all you're doing is working on one movie, you got to edit it, and then you got to present it. Yeah. There's a long process. Some movies are larger than others, studio movies or independent movies. Some go straight to DVD. Yeah. Others, they have a big red carpet, and you do worldwide press. For me... Expendables 3 was probably my most enjoyable worldwide press tour. Why is that? Well, I think with Twilight, we got sent places, but looking back, I never was able to be present and really enjoy it. It was just so much going on. It's like showing up to Burning Man for your first time, and you're just like... (laughs) Sensory overload. Sensory overload, (laughs) exactly. You can't prepare for something like that. You can't prepare. And it kind of changes. No one, I'm sure it flipped your world upside down. It was out of this world. That's yeah. the best way to, to explain it. And each year got more and more crazy. And then you have sort of this, because there was some periods in there, there's a little bit of like depression in a way for a short period because due to like comments and googling yourself Mm. like i'd never really thought about that until some of the female cast and then everyone started googling yourself and for the hundred great comments you're like oh my god (laughs) and you get that one comment about you know someone talking about your hair and you're like oh i want to quit this all i think it's actually good for people to hear that though i mean look i'm put a book out there and it's like one person's like i don't get it you know, three stars. And I'm like, what is it all for? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's when you just have to realize I haven't done anything that's Shakespeare. You know, it, it's yeah. a lot of the movies I do is due to the reason of like, I'm connected to it. Yeah. I don't look out for B grade action movies to do a B grade action <laughs> movie. You know, stuff just falls through the cracks. There's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. You know, you have a lot of people that you're depending on, and one thing can just fall out, and then it's, It's not received well. Right. And with like the Twilight movies, that was such a crazy worldwide experience. And I was young. We were all pretty young. We were all 
believe in the the hype in a way like oh man we're like these superstars <laughs> now and then you start doing your own movies right and now the big pressure is okay you you've made a name for yourself now you got to prove it yeah now you got to follow have, up on it like you're only what's the saying you're only as good as the last movie you did yeah so if you have you have wow, a bomb so then you're yeah. like oh shoot it's a weird industry yeah. it, it really is and then so with expendables 3 i just finished hercules out there in bulgaria and Patrick Hughes was prepping for Expendables 3, and I had like snuck around because I love that cast. I yeah. love action movies. I love all the actors in that. And I put my headshot up on the character description wall because they were missing the character Smiley. And I'd read, and I'm like, I want this character. So I kind of <laughs> kind of just snuck into the studio, put my picture up there, and then somehow <laughs> got a meeting with Patrick. Wait, and, that's amazing. You actually put your photo up on the wall, and that's how you... Well, I mean, I had been talking to Avi Lerner, and like the team's been pushing for it. I was yeah. just doing whatever I could because I was there, you know, <laughs> at the awesome. front lines. And I loved that. And Sly really took me under his wing. And those guys, I mean, they're legends in this industry. They all had private planes. So, you know, Sly took me and his kids and wife all over Europe and I mm. got to do press with him and then Antonio Banderas and Jason Statham, Wesley Snipes, you know, just such an experience living and traveling and, and doing this worldwide press tour with these iconic actors. Yeah. And I was able to enjoy it. You know, I yeah. wasn't intimidated. I was appreciative and grateful. That's neat. Yeah. How do you even prepare for one of these films? Like, when you get the call back and it's like, okay, you are going to be Hercules. I mean, do you start doing push-ups? What do you do the next day? <laughs> <laughs> I always try and maintain a, a push-up filled life. That's, I'm always that's I'm good. always ready for those Hercules Herculean her, moments. Her, her, Herculean <laughs> moments, movies. I've learned a lot. You know, I've really learned a lot with my experience. I think that's the best way to learn and to grow in your craft is to work by experience and learn from other actors that you're working with and other directors. You're always growing. That's why I love this career path. Some characters you want to create on your own, and I'll leave Kellen over here. Mm. And so I can step into the shoes of kind of method acting, I guess. Yeah. Others, you just want to create a backstory so you know you have his history. You know why he thinks a certain way, why he does what he does, how he feels about certain people. And what's on the paper, what's on the script is just what's on the script. So as an actor, you have to fill in all the black and white hmm. and make the page as colorful as it can be. So you can never, you know, whatever notes you're writing down, you know, if the character, you know, stops and smokes a cigarette, you know, what what is he thinking about yeah. when he's doing that in this scene? Or, or if he's kissing the girl, like, does he love her? Hmm. Does she remind him of his ex? Does he really? Hmm. All the stuff that it always aids the audience watching that you... You have a history. There's yeah. something behind the eyes for the character. So, I mean, you could just work and work and work on something. And that's the fun part. And I think in my progression of, of my career, you know, I look back at some of my earlier work and if the character, if it called for him to be mad, I just acted mad. <laughs> if it called for like a crying scene, I would just cry, but there would be nothing. Can you cry on demand? Uh, yeah, for the most part, for a couple takes. Could you cry right now? Probably. I could tell the audience there's a one big tear rolling down your cheek. Oh, right now, now you're gonna make me laugh. <laughs> um, yeah, crying on cue like that. If the, if it's not anchored in any truth, yeah, it's just BS. Yeah, and the and, audience can feel it. Yeah, and until you actually call BS on yourself, like when you're watching yourself, you're like, oh man, that is just 
That's BS. And then you learn, and I'm like, oh, man. So there's so many things. Like if I could tell Kellen, and there's so many other things that I'm going to be learning throughout my career. But if I could go back 10 years from now and tell younger Kellen, like, hey, do this. Yeah. Because you do have a lot of acting. I mean, I there was a period when I was going through a lot of acting teachers and acting classes, and I became so in my head about technique and mm. what I needed to do that I had to break that down because I'd walk into these auditions and just like be so conscious of my own conscious, yeah. like in the words and how they're coming out yeah. versus like just being and feeling and, and doing and reacting and listening. So it's just like very roller coaster of a ride. It's like public speaking when you get so in your head and you can't, you almost can't get the words out. Mm. Can you do accents? I think I can. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think I have a musical ear. So I shot a movie called Immortals that Henry Cavell was um, the lead of. And we had accent training for a month. Easy. For Br- what? British what? PR. Okay. And I had my acting coach. I had the cork in my teeth. And I had, <laughs> you know, father. I just, <laughs> and I thought I was getting it. Man, it makes you exhausted when you're learning something new, like a new language. I just <laughs> yawned a lot. And I thought I was getting it. And I only had maybe... 10 lines in this movie. It's not hard to, even if you didn't have an accent, right. just like put just on an accent for this one, one line, like sneak <laughs> it in. And I am like so proud of myself Aww. saying these lines. And it happened in Hercules as well. That one I had what was a that whole accent? movie. No one told me to do an accent. I was just trying to make an accent because it's Really? Just Hercules, make him sound? Like back, yeah, yeah. Make him sound. Like, what does a Greek god sound like? Mother. You know, just, <laughs> yeah, just some, something... Historic. Yeah. And as I watch these accents on screen, I'm like, no, that's still Kellen. (laughs) That is a contemporary Hercules. (laughs) And some of it works. But again, and then I thought it was so cool, especially after like Hercules press tours in Cannes, um, (laughs) holding on to the accent. And everyone's like, oh, you have an accent. I'm like, yes. (laughs) And like Ryan, 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 bless his heart. He's always been very honest. He's a good truth teller. Yeah. He's a very good truth teller, but he also knows like, okay, I'm going to let him just slide on this one. Because <laughs> he'll call me out. He's like, what are you doing? That, that, you don't talk sound, like that. That doesn't really sound good. Do you, um, do you see the movie for the first time when it's premiering? I've always wondered that. Well, no, you have ADR. So you go okay. in there and you see the movie. And you have to redo the lines. And then you might have a friends and family screening. Oh, so that's cool. By the time the premiere comes, I've seen the It's not like a shocker. Twice. No. Uh, I, but I think the first two times I see it, you're, you're so focused on what you're doing. And like if your lips look weird or, you know, if your voice sounded weird or how you said your line or just what take they took. And that's the hardest thing about being in a movie. You can't enjoy the movie. Like yeah, I was going to ask, is you, it weird to watch yourself? It's not weird for me. You just tend to focus on yourself. Yeah, it's like looking at a picture, like a group photo, and you yeah, just and you look go at yourself. Straight to yourself. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a terrible photo, and everyone else looks amazing. Or I'm yeah. like, oh, it's incredible, and everyone's blinking. Or you, like Breaking Dawn, you know, part one and two, we had this big fight scene, and it wasn't one of the best experiences of our lives because we're standing in the studio with all this fake snow and green screen all around us for two weeks. For the and, fight scene? Uh, for the fight scene. Before we even fought, we were just standing there. Why? That's just what it's called for. Like oh, there was, okay. It was such a big production. There was like probably 60 actors on set. Oh, wow. And unless you're saying dialogue, you're like the backup. <laughs> you're like, the, it's the standoff. <laughs> and you're just watching this. And so you know what 
is happening behind the scenes? You're like, nothing is happening behind the scenes for two weeks. I think I even called Ryan. I'm like, I can't do this. It says on this bag of snow may cause cancer. Like, get us <laughs> out of here. cancer from the twilight um, snow. I, we were losing our minds because we were doing nothing. Like, you, you, it's, it's hurry up and wait. It's a yeah. lot of waiting. Yeah. And with that, like, when you watch the movie, I mean, stunning what they can do with CGI. It's unreal. And everyone's like, that was the best fight scene ever. And I'm like, if you only knew. <laughs> you hated it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we don't have too much longer. Ryan, can you talk to me a little bit about what it's been like for you to actually get onto the producing side? You've seen so many films get made. You've walked with actors through the whole process. Now you're switching to the producer. Yeah, and it's been a long time coming, and I think I will always manage actors. I tell people it's like this. My dad builds these giant mansions. He's a superintendent contractor, but he started out as a carpenter, and he sort of worked mm. his way up on these smaller houses, bigger houses, and then giant houses. And and so he knows what everyone below him does when he's on a um, construction on a build site. And there's like 100 people helping to build this house at once, and it's kind of like producing a movie where you have 100 people putting this giant piece of artwork together, and it's the most collaborative art form. So... I think taking the business route and the agent manager route has helped me, A, be able to deal with producers and directors and actors in a way that, you know, there's no right way into producing. If you ask any producer how they got there, you'll you'll hear a hundred different stories. I knew early on in film school, I got bored on sets and just like Kellen described, there's this hurry up and wait. Mm -hmm. And I also, you know, went on a couple auditions when I was 18 and sat by my phone for two weeks waiting for the phone to ring and I got really bored. I was way too type A to sort of let other people decide my future and not be able to, you know, be a part of it in a big way. So producing is always in the back of my mind and it's slowly becoming reality the past year. And I feel like I've been talking about it longer than I've actually been doing something about it, but now I'm finally doing something about it. And it feels great. I think I know how to get from point A to point Z. Hmm. It's just about every day waking up and rolling the ball forward one foot and then the next day rolling it forward another foot and then another foot. And so I think I know how it all works now. It's just a matter of doing it. And so I've been segueing into you know, producing a couple of projects of my own and a couple with Kellen and, and it's fun. And I know that I could spend two years trying to produce a movie and it never works and I never see a dollar. Yeah. And I know that I could sign an actor on a Monday, get them an audition on a Tuesday. They book the job on a Wednesday. I get a commission check the next week. So wow. it's about learning to prioritize my time and really doing something that, you know, inspires me when I get out of bed every day. Like I got to produce this movie, you know, mm. when it comes to actually doing the producing, how much of your time is just spent fundraising and bringing all the pieces together and how do you go about doing that well that's the stage i'm in now with one of my projects can you tell us what it is yeah it's called high school rehab and i'm doing it with kellen it's a comedy in the vein of mean girls but set 20 years later so okay. it takes place at a rehab that's built and designed for people of all ages to have deep-seated <laughs> issues from high school that they never quite got over which is everyone we've ever can met. we go to this in real life yeah <laughs> <laughs> That could be like, one of the an, it could be one of the ancillary <laughs> revenue streams. Yeah, yeah, we're all sort of facing our sixteen year old bully or insecurity in one way, shape, mm. or form. And so the story takes place at this rehab where survivors, we call them patients, come and they stay in dorms and they go to a real high school every day and they have math, science, PE, and history, but they're all actually different forms of group therapy, but under the guise of this high school setting. So you kind of feel like you're reliving the trauma. The story centers on a 28-year-old blogger from New York City who works for like BuzzFeed or Vice, one of these big blogs. And she's sent there undercover to do a tell-all expose Amazing. about this new therapy that she thinks is bullshit. And 
on day one, she meets all the quintessential high school archetypal movie characters. So everyone that we're familiar with, the hot, bitchy, queen bee, mean girl, but now she's 40, divorced, and just a miserable human being. The 35-year-old jock who peaked in high school and his best years are behind him, and he's got a gut, and he's not the man he <laughs> thought he was going to be. The nerd who then focused on getting rich in order to make friends. And it plays out like a teen movie for adults. And I think no matter where you work, whether it's McDonald's or a dry cleaner or in politics or the NBA or in Hollywood, we all have these sort of moments amongst our colleagues or our coworkers where we revert back to our high school nature and mm. insecurities. And so, so true. So it tackles that whole sort of cycle of life, but in the most comedic way. So, right now, we're working on raising funding. And it's interesting because. I have no problem asking for money for my clients and absurd amounts of money and absurd things because over the years, I mean, that's what I do is I ask for things. Mm. My dad, I've always, you know, grown up watching him not take advantage of situations or business things because he's a stand up guy. And my job is to literally take advantage of things and, mm. and find. <laughs> Very honest. <laughs> <laughs> But I think I do it with a good heart, so I'm able to get you away do. with it. I, but, can, I can attest to that. Kellen's nodding. But when it comes to asking for money for myself, it was sort of a paradigm shift that I've had to get through. And now I'm coming out the other side. And now it's to the point where literally I'll tell anyone and everyone I meet about this movie and offer them a finder's fee and a co-producer credit if they know anyone that wants to invest in movies. And so it was sort of taking me a year of just pitching it softly to my friends mm. and then sort of pitching it to other people. And now it's like now at, the, full steam. at the tanning salon this morning, like the, <laughs> the girl wiping down the beds. I'm like, hey, if you know anyone, I got this movie. <laughs> that's so L.A. <laughs> yeah. But that's the way that independent film producing that's how they get gets made. done. Yeah. yeah. You have yeah, to yeah. cobble together the money. Is Kellen going to be in it? Yes. There's a great role for him. And it's definitely helping having him attached in this role. Amazing. And as long as the timing works out, yeah. 100%. Well, I can't wait to see it. He is going to play the nerd turn rich guy who went to the gym to impress girls to make friends. And he's got a whole <laughs> character arc. I love it. So he's actually going to play the former wimpy nerd turn. You're f yeah. Finally. <laughs> finally, you're going to play the wimpy, wimpy kid. Kellen, last question. What's your dream role? Any role in a film could be one that's already been done. My go-to is to say He-Man just because He-Man was my childhood. I, I still have all the toys. Mm. To think a bit deeper on that, it's like a type of movie. I want my own 500 days of summer. Mm. Like I love doing action movies. I love shooting guns, love driving fast, love fighting. I love doing comedies. I love making mm. people laugh. But I'd love to be a part of a project that makes someone like really feel mm. and really question their own views and maybe allow themselves to break off some of their own insecurities or judgments by watching a story that you're a part of. Mm. And so my dream isn't like I haven't had a dream to have this career. It's more just what's sort of missing in the roles that I have yet to play. And so that's something that I'd, I'd love to do. I'd love to be a part of something like a 500 Days of Summer-esque movie. Beautiful. I love it. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. We so appreciate you coming on the show and being a part of so many of these kind of hero's journey type of films. It's fun to, you guys actually live what we all get to watch. So thanks for the thanks. work you do. It's been fun. Thank you.
Allie, great job. Fascinating, right? Yeah. Did part of you want to, you know, I'm, I'm curious about both of you guys. Did you want to go back into acting a little bit, JJ? Uh, <laughs> I think there is a part of me. I think we've talked about this before. My perfect life, would I would take a week or two and do like a short film every summer. Like I would love, I you love, love the to creative, do that. Yeah. I love the creative aspect of being a part of a group of people that makes a film. I yeah. love being on set. I'll be in craft services. I'll hold the boom mic. I love being on set. So I really, would love so it doesn't do matter if you're in front of the camera. That's no. not. It. In fact, going on auditions again or anything. No, I would not. I do not want that life again. <laughs> Those, yeah. There's so much rejection and so much just weird things. Like I remember one time where I showed up for an audition and they, it was for a pizza commercial. Did I tell the story already? I showed up for an audition for a pizza commercial and I was supposed to look like Nicolas Cage. Not kidding. And I show up and everybody in the room looks like Nicolas Cage. And I start to walk into the audition room and they go, oh no, the Doritos commercial's down the hall. <laughs> they were like, they told me to That's go down so to How did the Doritos. you get called to that? I don't know, but based on my headshot, they thought I looked Italian. And so oh, I like, awesome. so there's a lot of like people sitting there going, oh, he's not fat enough or oh, he's too fat. Like they're telling you in the room yeah. so no going As to auditions not standing there. no I would not be I couldn't, that life I, again. I couldn't do it Allie you could you do it you know, you- there was a moment when Ryan was talking about kind of the discovery process of how he'll just meet someone and say okay I see it you've got it you should be an actor wow there yeah. was a moment listening did to he that. say that to you no <laughs> I'm sorry I thought <laughs> but that's I'm where sitting you were there going. hearing him talk about his process thinking I was pretty good in my fifth grade play. I crushed it as Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, you did. And actually, I'm going to say my very first acting experience, I was the very hungry caterpillar in kindergarten. And at the end, I got to come out as the butterfly. It was pretty magical. Uh, I actually, it. that reminds me. I was super turkey in the fifth grade Thanksgiving play. <laughs> and it was, I mean, and literally all through sixth today. grade and part of seventh grade, it was my ace card. Super turkey. I was super turkey <laughs> in Thanksgiving play. I completely forgot That's that. Amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a, a huge I think role. we have a new nickname. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was my nickname back in fifth grade. You guys, fantastic episode. Allie, another great job. Thanks, well Don. Done, Allie. And remember, for those film watchers of you out there, Got to get the trifecta. You're coming to the store. Yeah, what were they conference. again, Allie? You got to send us a picture of JJ in the office, a picture of JJ on the West Wing, a picture of JJ in Ghost Whisperer, and the icing on the cake, a picture of JJ in the Will Ferrell movie Semi Pro. He was a. Yeah. An if extra. you get three out of those four, <laughs> three out I of think, the four. Yeah, because I think West Wing is actually really, really hard. My, my face shows up for about half a second over Jimmy Smith's shoulder. That's the hint I'm going to give so, you. So, Allie, let's change the rules right now. <laughs> The first 10 people to send us uh, three of four get autographed copies of your and my book, Building a Story Ram plus your book, 22. Autographed copies. The first person gets that and a free live registration for the Nashville Workshop and lunch with JJ and <laughs> they get to stay at JJ's house so they don't no, have no, a hotel. No. And <laughs> he'll cook no. you dinner. He'll no, cook you dinner. You do not want either of those last two things. But <laughs> lunch and the workshop will be, I will be happy to the do The rest that. is up to JJ. Whatever he wants, and there's going to have to be some extras. I'll tell you that right now. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's new record, Dive Deep on Spotify, or on iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to get lunch with JJ.